Welcome to Food and Loathing, the podcast that may well be responsible for more obesity than the invention of corn syrup. (laughs) (laughs) But we are trying to make up for some of that. Coming to you for this episode from one of the healthiest restaurants we have ever had the pleasure of recording in, Canyon Ranch Grill inside the Canyon Ranch Spa at the Venetian. I'm your host, Al Mancini. I am joined in the co-host chair by Las Vegas food writer extraordinaire, Samantha Gemini Stevens. Hello, Gemini. my chair today. Hi, guys. How you doing today? You know what? I'm doing pretty damn good. Excellent. It's been a really busy, busy few weeks, but then I get to be here with you guys and talk about all things food and looking forward to chatting with Chef. Um, We'll get to that in a second. And yeah, I think it's just going to be a really good day. Okay. Well, I'm glad we could be a part of it. And and you out there in podcast land can also be a part of a very good day. Don't you feel special? That's right. Everybody's invited to have a good day today. And rounding out this terrible trio, joining us in person once again after his journeys in the Pacific Northwest, the man who knows how to push all of our buttons and ain't half bad at twisting our knobs. Hello. The engineer who makes you want to stand and cheer. The one and only Mr. Rich Johnson. Hello. Good to see you, stranger. So much need my knob adjusted. But that's another story (laughs) and a different podcast altogether. Thank you very much. And here we thought we were going to leave the porn out of it. Never. Keep it clean this week, but no, Rich is back and picks up the slack. (laughs) Well, you know, as Al mentioned, we are coming to you with this episode from the Canyon Ranch Grill inside the Canyon Ranch Spa at the Venetian. We've been invited here by Chef Pete Gioni to discuss a fundraiser for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and how you can help. And we will be getting to that conversation in just a few minutes. But as our regular visitors know, we always start off by discussing the restaurants we visited, the gluttonous things we've eaten, the meals since we last met. And uh, since I'm already talking, I'm just going to go first. You're first. All right. My list is short this week, so... Here we go. Um, So I popped into the Chad. That's the Craft House Brewery Arts District. C-H-A-D, get it? Tap room on California Street. They even call it that. Yeah, I love it. So hipster, man. Right? I think it reminds me of an old Barry, uh, Drew Barrymore movie. Uh, I, I hear Chad, and I think of the Pete <laughs> Davidson sketches on Saturday. There you wow. go, yes. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> so that is located on California Street, across from, gotta say it, James Trees' after Esther's yeah. Kitchen. Craft House, we love Craft House. Because I had to pick up a generous swag bag and gift card from Windy Forest, she's donating to the Chefs for Kids silent auction coming up this weekend. Um, so I decided I was hungry. I think I had just seen you guys that morning. So they have an expanded menu now. It used to just be a little charcuterie, a little cheese, a little meat, maybe some pretzels or crackers. Uh, but now they've got a list of bratwurst and things like that. So I got uh, the Beast and I got it uh, without the pretzel bun, um, because as we've mentioned before, as much as I love carbs, they don't like me. One sausage, hold the bun. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I want to hold it between your The young your lady knees. managing the, the beer bar t- that day did look at me a little bit funny, but she brought me cutlery. Everything else on it was fine. So that beast is a sausage made with elk, boar, wagyu, Whoa. sauerkraut, crispy onions, and a raspberry chipotle aioli. Damn. And uh, like I said, I stewed the bun. I didn't feel like I was missing anything. Thing. I almost feel like a pretzel bun because of how dense they are would have taken away from it. Um, the flavors were really, really great. Um, the, the, the super savory, the raspberry really kicks off a little bit. The onion was just there. The brightness of the sauerkraut was perfect. 
Um, it just, you know, it just needed a little bit more fat and either a little less cooking time or a little less reheating. I'm not sure which, but it just needed to be just a little bit more plump and juicy. Um, but I would still say go order it. The flavors are really, really nice. Um, and I tried it with a beer called the Welcome to Fabulous, Ooh. a 6.6 juicy and hazy IPA that with its fruity bitterness seemed to be the perfect foil for that rich, fl- the rich flavors of that sausage. So definitely check it out. Um, 6.6. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. I only yeah, drank about yeah. half of it because I was driving myself around that day, but <laughs> yep. I wanted the flavors. So, <laughs> um, I also hit up my new Brecky fave, man. Toast Society again. Have to throw this out there. That's where I got some carbs this week, and I am in love with the breakfast crunch. I know I've talked about it before, but I'm going to give you a tip. So this is one that has peanut butter and bananas and some crunchy bits on it and some blueberries. Add avocado. Trust me. It is so good. It adds to the richness, but it's a different kind of richness. Um, It the crunchy, all the crunchy stuff stays crunchy, and it's just a really fun sandwich piece of toast to bite into. Um, They also have for other people um, who want these things, they have bagels. They've got tons of gluten-free options, including sweet potato breads. So something for everyone. This time I can tell you where they're located. One is on Eastern Avenue in Henderson in the shopping center at the northeast corner of Sunridge Heights. And the other one is on the west side at 6005 South Fort Apache between Okendo and Patrick Lane. And then, you know, we cooked for the rest of the week. Cool. Boom. (laughs) So, yeah, super easy. What about you, Rich, man? Have you had the chance to visit any good restaurants since you've been Uh, back in our valley? I'm getting there. I've been back almost a week. A couple of leftover notes from uh, time in the Pacific Northwest. I did buy those three crabs, I promised. Friend and his wife, we cracked them there in their kitchen and ate them with... Some uh, Pinot Noir, some garlic rolls, a Caesar salad. That is life in the Pacific Northwest right Mm. there, man. There's no doubt about it. And boy, I forgot how much I missed that. Same folks uh, showed me one of their favorite little joints in the middle of Woodenville, Washington's wine country. Now, Woodenville is just north and east of the top of Lake Washington, so about 15 miles out of Seattle. It was put on the map a few decades ago by Sato San Michel. Now there's got to be like two dozen wineries up on those hills and great restaurants to match. Uh, We went to Vivi Pizzeria, V-I-V-I. It gave me a vibe sort of like La Cave with a little more light coming in because of windows. Yeah, at the wind. Uh, I had an awesome pasta, a bit of pizza. Now, if you're maybe fed up with uh, Napa, uh, think about going up to Woodenville because probably a little better on the price and... Great wines, and you're in Seattle. Yeah, what about the weather? Who cares? (laughs) Uh I stick with Napa, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So earlier in this trip, I was uh, jonesing for some kind of seafood, and I I committed a little podcast heresy, I think. I went to Red Lobster. What? What? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Were you high? Yeah. It was just, it was You're there. You know? <laughs> Pacific Northwest weed or I something? I went for lunch. That's Twin true. He was lobster, a good area for that. Twin lobster tail lunch. Very nice. Lobster tails, obviously, they'd been in the freezer, and you know, yeah, who knows where they we came from. know what from. red lobster is. <laughs> okay. The lobster tails and butter, a small salad, a baked potato, all the fixings. It hit the spot. A nice, pleasant room. You know, one thing about chains is they they know their interiors. Mm -hmm. And then this, you know, also it was nice that it was nearly empty. It was like five other people in the place at lunchtime. I mean, if you're going to go to a chain like that, you know, getting just a broiled lobster, you know, is not a bad way to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, how are they going to fuck it up, right? Exactly. (laughs) And that's what I, and that was part of my, uh, 
you think, you know, they have these fratiavlos and sauces, you know, that are coming yeah, in five-gallon buckets. That I'd stay away stuff. from. Yeah, exactly. Cisco prepackaged sauces little, or whatever. A, a little butter, and I was fine. I flew back Wednesday. Uh, I able I scored a spot in the Alaska Airlines Lounge at Portland International. That is a tougher ticket these days. They stopped selling day passes unless you're flying first class, which I was. Yeah, and you know, it's getting tougher to get into all those lounges. Yeah. The Centurion mm-hmm. lounges, if you have a platinum card, an Amex platinum card, are no longer allowing you to bring your guest in with you. Unless oh, you pay. man. And if you, I mean... It's, yeah, with a pay, it's a it's a fee. Yeah, but, yeah, that's another reason I didn't upgrade the last time they offered <laughs> yeah, bonus yeah. miles to get a platinum card. It's like, what? I got to pay for my wife in those fucking lunch? right. Well, yeah. that's Although, why we're glad we both just have one because a shared card is yeah. it's just simple. I, yeah. I should point out though. So I'm sorry, Rich, to hijack your <laughs> lounge, but um, did you see that? I, I believe the Centurion Lounge here was named Best Food, which is provided by yeah. the Honey Salt Kim Kentonwala. Oh. Yeah, Kim yeah. Kentonwala. So. So like there was some kind of survey of Centurion lounges and who has the best one from the Amex Platinum holders. I did not get that survey because I'm still sticking it out with my gold card. Um, <laughs> I get more miles the way it works out. But um, yeah, so apparently the survey. So if you are in the um, Las Vegas airport and you can get to that Centurion lounge, I'd love to hear what people say about Kim's. Yeah, yeah last there. time I was there, the only thing they had with his name on it were some cookies and uh, they were fine. They were great. Yeah. But. That there wasn't any other anything else. To Last do. time I was in the Alaska Lounge a couple of years ago. Now they had an avocado bar, avocado toast bar. Oh goodness! Mm-hmm. I was there in the morning. It's basically just a bagel bar, and they added avocado. Uh, you know, unflavored guac, really. Just you know, avocado yeah. all smashed up, which <laughs> is fine. Mashed works. Yeah. Uh, this time I was flying in the afternoon, and that had morphed into a baked potato bar. Which was kind of brilliant. I used to you do know, that all, in my high school. They mm. used to have baked all foiled up, right? Baked potato, and then load up on the butter, the sour cream, shredded cheese, bacon bits, scallions, and a couple of more things. A nice, easy way to give uh, folks a little sustenance beyond uh, a, a quinoa, ancient grain salad, or some damn thing. They That's the, on the other Alaskan side. Airlines lounge in which airport? Portland. Portland. And they have a really pretty one. They uh, finished a couple of years ago in Seattle. Have been up there for a while. So I needed. Uh, Something to contribute here, Vegas-wise. I noticed a new Chinese place inside the Suncoast Casino. It's called Taste of Asia. It's a modest, nicely decorated, brightly lit place, a door down from Dupar's. I don't recall what was in that space before. Uh, Noodles, dim sum, pho, traditional Chinese-American stuff, a couple of not-so-unusual things like uh, salt-and-pepper pork chops. I did not try that. I went for the lunch special. Uh, you know, 10 bucks got me rice, a spring roll, and some Kung Pao chicken. In a casino? In a casino. I'm impressed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's nice. It was a lunch special. They had about, I don't know, eight or ten offerings. The result was kind of ordinary at <laughs> best. Uh, the spring roll was like two and a half inches long, literally three bites. The Kung Pao was half chicken, half peanuts, zero vegetables. Oh, goodness. Sauce was kind of harsh. I also ordered some shumai, and they were very nice. A little dim sum menu with about eight or nine things. They were fine, but clearly manufactured someplace else. And 
place is new. GM was over touching tables everywhere maybe too many times. They're asking me, how is it? How is it? How is it? Please, please, how is it? Don't you love when people <laughs> ask you how things are before you've even had a chance to right. eat them, yeah. taste them? <laughs> Especially if you're one of, if you're a dick like me who takes a million pictures right. and videos of your yeah. food. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to get it from every angle. I'm trying to keep Sue from eating it. My other friends don't get <laughs> right. to eat. I put up the stop sign. I'm like, yeah. eat. nobody eat. Nobody eat. Making a fucking, making Lawrence of Arabia here with this food yeah. and um <laughs> then the guy comes over so how was everything i'm like thanks for reminding all my guests that i haven't let them eat yet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one weird thing uh, about that it was uncomfortable these chairs were sitting here in this little private dining mm-hmm. room think of a chair like this about two and a half to three inches lower Ooh. to where at six one my knees are you know my, my foreleg is on a mm-hmm. angle so then the tables are all low too they were, yeah, that was appropriate, but it was uncomfortable to sit there with my legs kind of yeah. going no, up. That's weird. That's, yeah. That raises an in- interesting question. Is there a standard chair height and table height at restaurants? I assume. It would have to be. Standard, right? but obviously there's a, another standard for, <laughs> I don't know, maybe they yeah. definitely want to go to smaller Asian people. Or, yeah, it's, a, like, it's like those but, handicapped spots at the video poker bar. Oh, where they uh, drop the counter? Know, where they drop the counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. mandated. I, I'm glad it's there because Suncoast's uh, daytime food offerings are pretty much dupar as a Subway and a bagel place. I will give it another go, but my first taste was eh, not a great one. I made it up just before we come uh, here to do this podcast up at Canyon Ranch. I'm downstairs uh, at, uh, well, upstairs, really. And actually, from here, it'd be downstairs. Uh, <laughs> you know, Plaza San Marco here in the uh, Venetian Palazzo Complex. I went to Brera. Brera, 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 yes. B-R-E-R-A. Sister restaurant of Mateo's. Yeah. Also in here. I just alone, I wanted something sort of light. It wasn't really that light, but it was really good. A frito misto with calamari and little octopuses and then some deep fried uh, mussels were in there too. And a bunch of uh, tempura like uh, shreds of yellow and red bell pepper. Uh, there might have been a little artichoke in there here and there, all covered in a really perfect... Not tempura batter, but a you know a frito misto batter, frito and, batter. and a red uh, pepper sauce uh, spread at the bottom. And I said, "Give me some more of that." And they gave me a little side of that, and uh, that was really, really good. So yeah, Brera is a is a good restaurant. I've been there many times, and so it's a good good place to pop in before or after other things that I'm doing yeah. here. You know, you can kind of get in and out quickly over there. And with a convention of some sort of cosmetics convention here, as we record this on a on a Tuesday early afternoon. Uh, the place was jammed, as was the other place that's shoulder to shoulder with it, the Italian place, and the Italian fish place right across the way, all there in the plaza. And Smith and Walensky was busy. Everything yeah, around here was busy these days, man. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, my week. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay. a happy uh, gourmand. Cool. Uh, that brings us to me. Your um, turn. So I was invited by Thrillist writer Rob Casualries to join him at the new Fremont Street restaurant Zai. Uh, where we shared a very delicious feast. Um, This is a brand new restaurant in downtown Las Vegas. It's on the corner of 7th and Fremont, which really feels like the center of the hipster universe. Um, 
<laughs> that we refer to as Fremont East. It's directly across the street from the main entrance to the downtown container park and the giant flamethrowing praying mantis statue. Um, you, rem- you may remember this building, Zai, um, from its days as an Indian restaurant. Um, or perhaps you partied up at the rooftop club 700. Oh, yeah. You know, DJs up there and everything. Um, so anyway, the chef here is Noe Akala. He's a longtime strip veteran who went down to Jalisco, Mexico when the pandemic struck. And he opened the original Zai, which, by the way, is named after his daughter. Aww. The press release announcing the opening describes this as gastronomy with an attitude. And I'm not going to challenge that one. Um, it's a multicultural menu with dishes that include tiradito, bao, sushi, enchiladas, tortellini, a burger. That's as a little cultural. bit of something for everybody. <laughs> Right. Um, But the thing that unifies this is really the liberty that the chef takes with their traditional preparations. Uh, Take, for example, the edamame, which are slathered in a combination of ranch, blue cheese and hot sauce. (laughs) We're eating it. We had no idea. Rob and I are like, what's that taste? You know, because it's just edamame comes to the table. It's in a little box. They open it up and we're we're like, what is that? I'm finally I'm like, is that blue cheese? Like we we didn't look at a menu. Oh, wow. Wow. Chef was bringing stuff and we called him. We're like, chef, what is this? He's like, oh, it's just, you know, buffalo wing seasoning um, on <laughs> I'm like okay man well, yeah. Yeah, cool you I know, love it whatever it, it rocked um, so his he also had corn, rib, corn ribs that are basically slices taken from a cob of elote yep. uh, making them a lot easier to eat uh, the salmon carpaccio is topped with slices of cucumbers and a pile of t- potato chips um, I'm not going to go through every dish but I think you're getting the samples there yeah. that you're really just um, you know interesting intriguing fun playful takes on a lot of different cuisines. Um, some of my favorites included the banh mi bao, which was made with pork belly and traditional banh mi mm. toppings on jet black bao buns. Whoa. There was the three cheese tortellini and a mushroom and pancetta sauce. It was really, really good. And there was a dessert called the shibuya, which was a tower of ice cream topped with honey, cinnamon, berries, a little bit of gold leaf to be fabulous, and served within a hollowed out cube of bread or some, oh, some type of bread. Oh, like that honey bread yeah. in, in Chinatown. That yeah. so many people do. Yeah, so similar to that. It was it, that was pretty. That cool. sounds delicious. So look, the menu here is just perfect for the environment. It reminds me of the days when every strip nightclub had a restaurant attached, serving these <laughs> yeah. playful, fun spins on assorted comfort foods. It works really well in a dining room where you can actually see and hear the praying mantis yes. shooting fire <laughs> out at the tourists on Fremont Street outside through an open front window, and then you can follow up your meal partying up in the second floor club. So, you know, it it works for the space, especially it really works. Um, on Friday, I visited the Hunridge Theater to watch them light their sign. That was a big bravo to, to Brandon Powers for getting a bunch of people out I there. I mean, that. it was a massive yeah. turnout. We got to tour the theater, see a little bit of you know the history on display on the walls, um, check it out. But then you know they were serving food in in the parking lot, and there were a couple of people set up the the burger. A place that's down at Vegas Test Kitchen, Timeout Burgers, I think they're called. They were doing it. But I went to. Um, Stay tuned. Stay tuned, Burgers. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for that. Yeah, so I was looking for go. that save there. Um, <laughs> but I got some food from Winnie and Ethel's. Oh, um, yes. They were previewing some of what they'll be serving when they open their doors just across the street in the Hunt Ridge Shopping Center. I had a meatloaf sandwich topped with gravy, mashed potatoes, <laughs> and cranberry sauce. And then I spoke with Chef Aaron Lee about Winnie and Ethel's and how it will fit right in with the developing Hunt Ridge neighborhood. Just us being a 1940s diner kind of fits in with uh, the old theater, which is the Huntridge, which is 
um, kind of around the same time period. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's just going to be a very retro, cool part of town. Cool. And how is the menu coming along? Menu's cool. It's finished. Um, we actually have someone working on it right now, so it's, it should drop soon. Cool. Jimmy, I know you've told me before, but explain the concept of Winnie, Winnie and Ethel's one more time for me. So, um, yeah, we're a 1940s diner, and we do uh, comfort food. We want to just make you feel comfortable and, you know, hopefully remind you of some great dishes you had when you were growing up, and, you know, that's kind of what we stand for. I saw your picture of that sandwich, and I was already hooked. I want to have that. But I'm even more hooked after looking at the typographical error you made here. You talk about having a meat load sandwich. <laughs> yes. And you were wondering whether I was going to say it. I can't spell what I'm writing, but I can read my own script. Okay. My own notes. But, but that makes me want to have it even more. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> on Saturday, Sue and I watched the Golden Knights game at Born and Raised on Warm Springs Road, um, which has always had a great menu over there. Mm -hmm. I munched on a couple of... Um, um, shrimp po'boy sliders. I would say that the buns were not the freshest on that day, yeah. but you know, it's, it was the weekend. And I, I was it a good amount that. of shrimp though? Yeah, like yeah. you have to kind of crush it shut to eat it. Oh, yeah, All right. absolutely. So those were solid. Um, I don't even remember what else we had. I think Sue had one of their salads, but you know, it's a good place to go watch a night's game, absolutely, yeah. especially if you're in the neighborhood. Uh, when we got home, we saw some posts from Anima advertising Easter brunch, so oh. we made a reservation. Whoa. What can I say? I talk about them far too much on this podcast, but they Never. deserve all the praise that they can ever get. Um, it was brilliant, as always. We started out with a, I guess this was their amuse-bouche, but a plate of what looked like olives, but were actually kind of the emulsifications, those, those caviars, yep. um, with gazpacho inside. Yes. So oh. there was a, red, a black one and a green one, but they both were just gazpacho inside. Um, we went through some cured tuna sashimi. We did some lobster toast. We did a sous vide egg with... Um, jamon and mushrooms and um, some mascarpone ravioli that were topped with Parmesan espuma and caviar. Then Chef Oscar sent out some new dishes, a gorgeous butterfly giant prawn with some weird little bake. Oh, also, no, that was not on that. It was just the gorgeous prawn. That's its own thing. <laughs> I was like, like wow. My notes, are, <laughs> my notes are running together here. And also this re weird little like bacon and egg bite where they came out like wrapped sort of in the raw bacon, which they torched at the table. And Interesting. Took it up for you. So that was really cool. Um, you know, I know I speak about this place a lot, but honestly, I have never wanted anyone to win an award as much as I want Chef Oscar to win the James Beard Foundation Award for Outstanding Chef Southwest this year. Amen to that. Yes. You know, uh, yeah, you've said it all. <laughs> I want to add to it all the time because I love that place. But coming up in the news, a new tiki bar is coming to the Strip and an award for Tacotarian. But first, today's gracious host, Chef Pete Gioni, is cooking for a cure with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And he's going to explain how you can help him raise $100,000 starting tomorrow and going through the end of June. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you are in Vegas. You're hungry and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip? Off strip? Downtown? Great views? Great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Okay, as we have mentioned, we're coming to you from Canyon Ranch Grill in the Venetian this episode, and we are joined for this segment by its chef, Pete Gioni. Pete is the executive chef not only here, but also at the Attached Truth and Tonic, which was the first 100% plant-based restaurant on the Las Vegas Strip. So kudos for that, chef. Um, he's also been a longtime advocate for health, the health benefits of a proper diet. And um, as I hope he will explain, he's served as a personal chef for people fighting cancer. Prior to the pandemic, Chef Pete was nominated to run, was actually nominated for the Visionary of the Year Award for, by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. That group also holds annual fundraiser called Cooking for the Cure, where chefs try to raise as much money as they can over a 10-week period. That fundraiser is back this year. Chef is involved. You know, before I mangle any of this other stuff, how? first of all, Chef, thanks for having us. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm great, and I, I appreciate you being here and helping me tell the story. Cool. Did I get anything wrong so far? You get most of it. <laughs> most of it wrong? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But however... <laughs> Cooking for the Cure is the team that I'm putting together to, to unite restaurants, not only here in Las Vegas, but San Francisco, Buffalo, New York is also participating. Anywhere in the country can get involved with this. And I'm simply just asking that the restaurants get my QR code in front of the guest so that they could donate directly to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Okay. So it's a team of restaurants. It's, it's all the restaurants that want to get involved. That's, so there are other teams then as well. There are other teams, but, okay. but Cooking for the Cure is, is a team that this is the first time a chef has participated in this visionary of the year uh, campaign. So this is the team. I'm, I'm looking for other chefs to participate with me and other restaurants to get involved because I know that food can make a difference, just like you said, with my own story and how I've worked for people that, that are, have fought cancer, um, lung cancer, uh, leukemia, um, diabetes, obesity, vitiligo, uh, so many different conditions and help to use food to influence their life in a better way. So restaurants, whether they're, they actively participate in using healthful food in their, in their recipes, or if they want to contribute to the community in a different way, this is a great way to give back. Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying I that. want to ask and one quick question. I got your name right, right? <laughs> you did, and that, okay. that is the biggest win of That's, them all. Yeah, because last time I didn't, you know. Right. So, <laughs> so, um, cool. First of all, before we ask any questions, can we also introduce um, the, yeah. the guest that you've brought here with you? Yeah, absolutely. Courtney Strunk is here with us, and, and she is the daughter of Donnie Strunk, who's who's also in the room, but Donnie is a leukemia survivor and, and he continues to fight with an incurable leukemia. Um, and Courtney was, was uh, my second, part of my second family that, that I had. The first, first family I had was fighting lung cancer. Uh, Courtney and her family have been dealing with leukemia for the past, it's been 12, 12 13 years now, year. Thir- 13 years this year. So wow. uh, I met her when she was very young and, and uh, some of the things that I, I've said to her in the past, I know still resonate with her today, but she's here That's to 
helped she'll share the story of of how a healthful diet can really impact and, and keep families together longer well welcome He's, i know the chef said he met you when you were very young how old are you now courtney i'm 17 now okay you look you look even younger than that but when you get my age everybody looks young like i see 30 year olds and i think they look like they're in high school so you know it's, I, I just can't judge so i'm sorry gemini i cut no, you no, off no not at all i just i want to make sure that something is clear because I, he's already talked about sort of how people get involved with the QR code. And I know that when people do a lot of these, you know, buy this sandwich and get $2 towards this, it, how, how exactly does the QR code work? The QR code is going to go directly to the Leukemia Lymphoma Society page for Cooking for the Cure. So it just donates on behalf of, of, of our team. Um, so guests can donate directly. They'll get a receipt. So they can scan the QR code. They can donate and they could deduct it from their taxes. And they don't have to buy specifically anything at the restaurant itself. The Not restaurant doesn't have to put anything out, maybe just table tent or something like that. They could use a table tent. They could put it in awesome. the, the check presenter. They could have a sign next to their cash register, their host stand, wherever a guest has access to scan that QR code. And then if, if uh, a, a guest, uh, somebody wants to donate, they can go directly to cooking for a uh, cookingforacure.com, my website there, go to the donate now button. So you don't even have to leave your house to do it. As you're listening to this podcast, you can go to cookingforacure.com and you can donate now and you can donate the, the same way. And all right. those funds go to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society? It is. Yeah. And, and there's, there's really three major pillars that, that, uh, it is going to help benefit and it's, it's between the research. So it's going to help fund the medical research to find cures. It's going to improve the access to patients so that they can readily get the medicine that they need. Need. And then it helps with the advocacy too, so that they're going in front of legislature and making sure that there's access for people and there's funding from the government and their support. So, you know, there's, there's people all around us that are dealing with cancer, leukemia, um, and the LLS is really helping these people get the treatment that they need, find the cures, but then they also do things too, where they're, they're helping pay their electric bill and giving them money to, to pay their bills while they're going through treatment just to make sure that they get through it and they can treat it and, and they, can, they, they can get through it in the best situation possible. Okay, so can we go back a little and start with how you got involved with this cause, how you got involved with this um, interaction between people who are suffering from, from terrible illnesses and how their diet may help them with that. When did you get your start in that facet of cooking? Yeah, so I went from the casino business out here in Las Vegas and executive chef of the, of the Rio back in the day between 2001, 2007, when there was over 16 restaurants fired up there and it was in its heyday. And then I was working at a country club off strip and they wanted to go more organic with the menu and looking at cheeseburgers being the number one seller on the menu and chicken fingers being the number two seller at, at a private country club where people are paying not only to be a member, but paying for the food that they purchase. I knew that just going organic for the marketing behind it was going to be, you know, hazardous to my own health because the members are going to want what they want. And then I try to force them a healthful menu and they're not familiar with it. You know, there'll be a rebellion. So I really just changed the ingredients on the menu and, and went, kept the same menu, went to grass fed beef and found organic ingredients, organic produce, and really just trying to change the, the, the quality of the menu versus what the, the menu actually read and how it was described. The guests started to realize that there was there was better flavor and there was something that was changing. And then they started to talk about it. So when I told them that there was better ingredients on the menu, better better for your health ingredients, they weren't so scared of it. It wasn't so offensive. This was back in 2009. Right. It wasn't really a thing back then. And um, and then the the doctor for the owners came to me and asked if I would start to cook low glycemic and 
and and have more purposeful recipes on the menu to help the owners lose weight. And um, and and to me, after feeding twenty thousand people a day, I was a little bit more curious. And then I you know just doing more research on nutrition, you find the average person consumes one hundred and fifty three pounds of sugar a year, and one point six million people are being diagnosed with cancer. And, and and you know it's just like all this stuff that food could really influence was just like holy cow. It's somebody that in my position that could feed twenty thousand people. And, and can change the ingredients and, and make it more healthful and more impactful on the environment is, is, is wow. As that reputation got out there, there was the gentleman with lung cancer that uh, had it three times. It came back every seven months to a year. And he had surgery the first time, followed by six months of chemo. It came back a year later. Uh, he had surgery on the other lung to have it removed. Within seven months, it came back on the first lung. And they had given him a 2% chance to live past 2012. So he called me and said, you know, one of the doctors at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona suggested that I change my diet. Would you be interested in being a private chef? And at the time, I was like, you know, I, I just had a daughter and, um, and, and I had a restaurant that was trying to do this organic delivery and it wasn't really catching on. And the doctor that was going to be my investor was waiting to sell some real estate. One thing led to another. This guy had called. I took this opportunity and I started cooking for him twice a day. Through my contacts on, in the media at the time, um, I was on the news and talking about this Cancer Cuisine website that I was putting together. And that's actually when the Strunks had, had, had saw me, somebody that, um, that Deirdre Strunk had worked with, saw me on the news and said, hey, you know, there's this guy cooking some, some cancer food. You know, you should reach out to him and see what you could do. So. They were the first family that joined back in the day, which is no longer up, like cancercuisine.com. And I reached out and I said, well, you know, hey, thanks for being my first member, but there's like minimal content out there yet. Like this isn't, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm still trying to get it all, get it all built. And, and at the same time, my mother was diagnosed with ovarian cancer back in Connecticut. So I'm cooking for families out here, helping them fight disease, thinking, how am I going to get that information back there? So then I, um, I, I offered to come out and, and work with the Strunks, and, and Donnie was working at the Chili's on the Strip at the time, and um, loved to be around food, but, uh, but I was cooking for the other guy twice a day, so I, I couldn't be everywhere at every meal, but um, he really caught on to what I was doing and, and used those ingredients and incorporated it into what, what they were doing at home. So that's where, and, and Courtney was really young at the time too, and, uh, and so trying to adapt food that young kids would catch on to mm -hmm. eat too was a, was a fun challenge. And uh, Yeah, and I'm curious what she felt when you came in and suddenly you have a new chef cooking for your family and you're told that this is all going to be healthy food and you're a young kid. What's, what's the thought process and then what was the reality like? I mean, I think I was like a shy child as you probably could advocate for, um, I think it was like a variety of different foods that we went through and then he came into our life and it was honestly amazing. It like opened our palates like so much beyond our imagination. Um, the reality was amazing. You know, I, I like what you're, you're talking about here about, you know, you were at a place that was selling burgers, but you still sold burgers and you, but you moved over to grass fed beef. I know that you are a vegan um, in your own life, but uh, the, I have spoken to a lot of people recently and just because I've gone through my own health things and having gallbladder removed, people talk about what you can eat and everybody's like, oh man, if you have dietary restrictions, it's going to be really rough on you because your job is. And I said, it's true. There may be things that I can't eat, but, um, you know, one thing that I've always taken comfort in is that I may eat fattening food and I may eat a lot of food and I may eat things, you know, that are what, what they are, but 
I've always taken a little solace in the fact that I eat from chefs, food that's produced by chefs who know where their food is coming from and who are getting the highest quality ingredients. And while that may not be the um, panacea that, you know, is all that I need to do, it at least puts me a little step up. And I feel like people who cook at home as well. I'm basically, for me, I, I, I feel like simply by avoiding processed foods and people that go with the cheapest possible ingredients and people that are mass producing things that you at least have a head start in the race for eating healthy. Now, am I in any way correct in that assumption? Yeah. You know, so the first, the first thing let's, let's put out there is there's not necessarily any single bad food, right? So what we're looking for is healthful dietary patterns over time. And so that way, if you're, if you're eating and, and, and visualize the plate that you're eating, 50% of that being vegetables, colorful vegetables, delicious flavor, um, and then 25% of that being some kind of protein. Really important to our diet, helps our body to, to really repair and to grow. And then 25% of that being carbohydrates, especially really fiber-rich uh, starches. And, and that's really where our energy comes from. So the, the vegetable is really strong for our immune system. The fiber is great for our gut health and our mood. That protein is good for, for building and repairing muscles, even just over average day activities. And then that energy, I mean, you think about it, it takes the, the equivalent of eight slices of bread worth of carbohydrates for your brain just to function, just to keep us going every day. So we need the carbohydrates and people are very fearful of them sometimes, but when they're really rich in, in, in fiber, it, it's so much more beneficial to us and it doesn't necessarily uh, help, uh, it, it prevents us from absorbing the sugar that's in those starches too. Right, then sugar should be the the thing that everybody's always always really concerned about and thinking that it really promotes cancer growth and um, but having that having that really rich diet and those healthful patterns over time is where our health really inspires from and then and when we have those treats when they when you have that occasional dessert or that indulgent burger or that milkshake you know it's it's balanced out it, it's it's okay it's okay to have that occasionally we don't have to be so restrictive from it, but promoting these other things is, is, is much more valuable to our health. Decreasing alcohol is really significant to our health for sure. For me, I totally eliminated it about five and a half years ago, and it's been the best thing I've ever done in my life, to be honest. Um, and then limiting red meats and limiting added sugars. You know, I, I talked earlier about how people are eating 153 pounds of sugar on average a year, right? So think about the high side. Jesus. Yeah. What, what's the high side with how many Americans are out there? Right. That's, if that's an average, then it, that, that number is... As a truckload. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> a freaking truckload oh of sugar. Oh, my God. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the sugar is hiding in things that we may not think are sugary treats, mm -hmm. right? I mean, especially... And, you know, we talk about where, where you find sugar, where you find high fructose corn syrup. You know, yeah. if you walk down a grocery aisle, things that you would never imagine. And again, it comes from that mass production. You know, if you're right. making it at home, you probably wouldn't be putting as much of this bad stuff in mm -hmm. it. But it, when it's being mass produced, it, I feel it's as though... It's a preservative. Yeah, it's yeah. preservative. <laughs> all kinds of... And, and a cheap filler yeah. in many cases because of subsidies and all, all other sorts of things that are... Of course. And preservatives. You know, there's really the... the industrialization of, of food came out there because we were afraid to starve. We don't want the country to run out of food. So it's how do we grow wheat with, with more intensity, faster, less water, less space? How do you get better yield out of your crops? And that's turned into a little bit of, you know, profitability. It's like, okay, so how can we do this and make more money? And 
And there's, there's been things that have, have evolved and maybe our body hasn't quite caught up to it in digestion and understanding how to process this foreign stuff that we're putting inside of us. Even though on the surface, it looks like, it looks like wheat, it looks like bread, but how we identify with it now these days and how it's been manipulated so they don't have to use as many chemicals on it. It's more resistant to the bugs that land on it and all is, is I think that that's really where we're seeing, you know, allergies really increase and tolerances have really increased. Um, and then there's, you know, fads with diets too and, and all. But if we really think about it, probably the most constructive diet would be the Mediterranean diet and, and the whole foods, limiting red meats and a lot of seafoods. But, but, you know, it's called the Mediterranean diet, but it could be used that that can be applied to any cuisine, any country, any, any origin uh, of, of ingredients. But using those principles that are in that in that diet with with the with the whole foods and and high fiber and and low, very low processed foods, that, that style of eating can be adapted to Asian, Mexican, uh, it's so many different countries. And, and so, so don't necessarily think that you have to eat the ingredients and recipes of the Mediterranean area, but using that style, I think, is, is very beneficial. Courtney, do you cook? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I do mostly with my dad. Okay, so any tricks you've picked up from Chef Pete for cooking at home that, that you want to share with people? <laughs> Oh, there's so many. I feel like the ones that my dad and I picked up the most was when you um, put the peppers on the stove and put the, the directly on the fire to roast them. Yeah, nice little trick at home rather than cooking them mm-hmm. outside on the grill. Yeah, I mean that, that's really. I'm, I'm going to clarify just 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 for personal interest though. We're talking about using chilies mm-hmm. and, and not bell peppers because I think those are the antichrist. I personally just don't. Enjoy <laughs> really? <laughs> Tell so, me a little bit more. Yeah, I am so, curious. So she, she's throwing out the ingredients there that, that you know that are not my favorite, but but those are because I do, my wife particularly not me will actually roast red peppers, red bell peppers on the grill to make it really good. Um, makes a lot of red pepper sauce. Yeah, you know, for sure. It really it, good, but that's definitely. not good. I, I just personally don't like the flavor oh, okay. of peppers. That's but, just a personal taste. Okay. The ingredient-wise, they're, they're, they're no excellent problem ingredient. With it. Yeah, okay, of course, cool. yeah. But like rosemary and my other ones that I, that I don't care for. And, it's just because you know, there's so, so much of it everywhere. It, <laughs> there's yeah. so many other beautiful things out there. There really is. And don't rosemary, get me wrong, I love rosemary. Rosemary is like if you have the plant in your kitchen, <laughs> if it's growing in the corner, it's so strong that it'll uh-huh. use into your, your recipe on the other side of the kitchen. <laughs> and that's all you need. You don't really have to put it in there. Rosemary, the high fructose corn syrup of the vegetable world. <laughs> it's, every, it's, it's like soy. It's everywhere. That's right. Oh. Um, so, sorry, I kind of lost track there. So, are there specific foods that you would tell people that they really need to avoid? Or is it really all about this balance thing? Because that's another thing that, especially as I've been trying to find with not having gallbladder recently, I've been trying to find what I can eat and what's going to upset me and what's not. But the interesting thing that I found is that if I eat a sort of balanced meal yeah. and I really try to do a little bit of everything, but you know, in a, in a good balanced combination, that I've not found anything that bothers me. But, you know, if I go overboard on any of them at this point, it feels like things bother me. Yeah. You know, and and that's really people react. The the one thing with some of the doctors at Canyon Ranch were using the continuous glucose monitors for Mm -hmm. you you, you typically probably see that on on, on, uh, diabetics so they can monitor their blood sugar. But we're watching it for the purpose to see how everybody reacts differently to certain ingredients or certain foods. And so some people we want to try to avoid any kind of high glucose spike. Right. But everybody has a different reaction to the foods that they eat. And it's the same thing. 
thing with you and your gallbladder and, and you're kind of seeing some things you can tolerate, some things you can't, but, um, it, and it's really, so that's like an individual journey as understanding what works for you and what doesn't. And, and being able to take a look inside you with that CGM is, is a great way to see how your body is reacting to certain things. One is, is how's your mood? How do you feel? And especially after, you know, you eat at one of the Canyon Ranch restaurants, Canyon Ranch Grill or Truth and Tonic, you could really, you walk away feeling fulfilled and light and not sluggish. And I think that that really goes to the purposeful ingredients that we use designed around that. And um, so some of the things that really say is just, is, is that we want to have a positive relationship with food. So I wouldn't want to say that there's necessarily any single bad foods out there and that you're not bad for having that cake and you're not bad for having that burger. You might be bad for having three burgers and it kills your stomach, right? But limiting that I think is really important to enjoying your food, limiting the red meat, limiting added sugars and limiting processed meats like salami, bacon, hot dogs, and, and items in those categories. I think that if we limit that, um, and really focus on increasing our fiber. That I think is something that's, that's really, uh, overlooked a lot with the benefits of that. So, um, those are the things I'd say, you know, to, to avoid. And of course with the added sugars, it's the sugary drinks, it's soda. Mm -hmm. Uh, Courtney, when was the last time you had a soda? Gosh, I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) 10 years. Probably more. Yeah. So I mean, for, for a teenager, it's one of the few that. things I can't kick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I need. You know, it's the only upper I get is from the little bit of caffeine that, that I still get out of it. I am. I am, you know? I am pro caffeine myself, uh, but limiting that, and, and of course, and having that balanced diet yeah. means it's okay to have that. You know, and, and it's not gonna it's not gonna tank your health. Now, and I don't want to put you on the spot here, but well, I yeah, I kind of do. Um, <laughs> you, you say there's no such thing as a bad food. You know, there are no bad foods. I, I understand that completely. Are there bad places to get those foods? For example, I can't imagine a way in which eating at a McDonald's is good for you in any way, shape, or form. I'll eat a hamburger, but I'm not going to ever eat a McDonald's hamburger. You know, I may eat chicken, but I'm not going to eat chicken McNuggets, things right. like that. Yep. Are, are there bad places that you should be avoiding? You know, there's, uh, to, to, to put it like this, I think that it's, if, if you're having those healthful dietary patterns, right, over time, and that, that, that's your normal, to have the McDonald's is, is okay. It's, it's absolutely okay to have it occasionally. If you're building, if, if McDonald's is your dietary pattern and that is your everyday life, you're more likely to see big problems. But if it's just that occasional and it's, it's that once in a while thing, I mean, that's, that's what it is really designed for. It's, it's there for the convenience when you need it. And living your life off of that is definitely a struggle. You know, what's interesting for me, though, I found that the more that I avoid, uh, I started avoiding fast foods probably 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And for the first several years, I craved them. Right? Yeah. And I was craving McDonald's a lot. And I would go maybe once every three months. And then I'd go once every six months. And then I got to the point where I would go, I'd think I was craving it, and I'd eat it. Ugh. And I was just Regret like, it. this doesn't even taste like food to me anymore. Right. I mean, it starts to taste artificial to you yeah. after a certain amount of time. If you could spend time eating good food, clean food, mm-hmm. whatever, natural food, more natural food, I think that your body responds very differently to the things like the McDonald's in the world. Yeah, uh, totally. And I think that your, your body is always looking for those nutrients. That's why we get hungry. We, we, we have so many different vitamins that we need and amino acids and and all that we absorb through food. I, I think that 
once once we once we get used to consuming that, we need less food because you have more of the nutrients that we want. It's those empty calories that don't provide any vitamins and minerals and anything good for us. Where it's just like, all right, let's eat a bag of chips, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, like, well, you know, that salty, fatty food is America's favorite thing, and yeah. and it, but but our body doesn't get what we need out of it, yeah. and so then it's it's constantly looking for the next thing, looking for that you know, subconsciously looking for those nutrients, your body does get used to, to, to eating certain things. And if it has to adapt to, to horrible fatty foods, it, you know, it will, but there's going to be, there's going to be consequences over time. Right. And, uh, and so I think that our taste buds do change. We get very used to certain things, the size of our size of what feels like the size of our stomach adjusts when we eat a lot of food or all of a sudden it's just like, you know, I, I just can't eat that much anymore. Mm-hmm. And, or, you know, you have a meal and you're just like, I feel fulfilled. I, I don't need that dessert. I think I'm good. And, yeah. and so I think, that that's that's one thing that we really try to push too is that you could have a delicious amazing experience that doesn't necessarily have to include dessert right oh man you're getting me there that one <laughs> sucks man and it's bad if there's nothing sweet in the house i'll drive to crumble cookie <laughs> yeah. at the end of the night man i need to me you know and for me that sugar has always sort of been the signal that i'm done eating right yeah. like my body's gotten very used to that so I stay hungry like the rest of the night if I don't put like at least one cookie in my mouth. You oh, know? But you got used to not eating McDonald's. Yeah, I know. Right? It took a little bit of time, but you yeah. got used to that. Then all of a sudden, tasted foreign. So right. as you, well, the you sweets know, came in when I quit drinking. I'll tell yep. you, the, the yep. sugar cravings came in when I quit mm. drinking, and that Absolutely. became very much. But that's a whole separate and I, issue. And I was going to say though, picking up a crumble cookie is a lot better than picking up a drink. Yeah, absolutely. And um, especially with my liver, trust me. Um, Amen to that. But, you know, you've spoken about cooking for people with cancer. And, you know, unfortunately, so many people are affected by cancer. I'm sure that there are people listening to this podcast that have a family member who is just beginning to battle, you know, to come to grips with this. So um, you talk a bit about some of the success stories that you've had and also advice for people who are confronting that problem right now and are saying, I want to fight it in any way that I can, including changing my dietary patterns. Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely work with a doctor. You got to understand where your health is before you can, you can evolve it. And um, and, and, and don't think that you need a private chef to order to, in order to eat healthy. Like that's, it's not, it's, it's not nece- uh, necessary at all. W- one of the things that I think that people think is, you know, organic food is expensive and, and eating more fruits and vegetables, whether they're organic or not, is going to benefit your health. And you have to have a really high amount of conventional foods, especially strawberries for that to really make a huge negative impact on your health. Right. So eating those fruits and vegetables are going to contribute more towards the beneficial part of your health, then it is going to going to hurt, even if it's conventional. So don't don't get mixed up in the grocery store. Going, I can't afford those blueberries. I'm just going to go get a bag of chips. Like, mm-hmm. let's just you know let let let's stick to let's just eat the blueberries, organic or not. Right. right? Eat the other blueberries. Right. Yeah. Eat yeah. the other blueberries. You don't have to go to Whole Foods to stay healthy. You do not have to go to Whole Foods. Just go to the produce section in any store, and that's going to be more beneficial than than the rest. So, uh, and and I definitely encourage to shop at the stores that are within within your lifestyle because you need to do it consistently and stick with it so you know whole foods once a week and it's 10 miles out of the way and and you don't have time to get there before soccer practice with the kids like that's not that's not a sustainable lifestyle so so shop the way that's sustainable for you so you can do it over time um decrease the amount of alcohol right can you afford not to have a drink (laughs) 
yeah. right? That's yeah. that's pretty affordable. You can save right. a lot of money not having right. drinks. Yeah. Yeah. You can buy a lot of other stuff. Trust me, as a guy who, um, yeah, cut back from a very <laughs> heavy drinking habit to a non-drinking habit, my bank account is so much. <laughs> I also gamble less because I'm not trying to run those 20s through the machine. Exactly. For the free drinks. The free drinks. Know? Right, right. Limiting your red meat. There's, there's so many other options out there. There's plant-based proteins that are so much more beneficial. You don't have to have that fancy filet. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that you could avoid to save money. You can you can afford not to have ice cream. You can afford not to have a soda. Uh, so I think that that's you know keeping in the the budget in mind. I think that that's really important too. Um, increasing your 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 vegetable intake is going to be something that's that's enormous for your health, and you'll feel that very soon. And um, and 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 just avoiding the, the the added sugars. I think that those those things are just eating with what's in your price range and avoiding the added sugars. How uh, do you feel about some of the um um, alternative sweeteners that are out there. So, you know, the alternative sweeteners say that they're zero calorie, right? But, but in, in, in reality, they do have calories. They're just so potently sweet that you need such a micro amount of them to feel that sweetness right. that the calories don't register. So, the, so don't be fooled that they, they do have calories in them. Um, and, and I think that the only real uh, healthful, better for you sweetener in that sense is going to be stevia. It's, it's, it's That's less. That's the one I use. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, it's less, less <laughs> right. chemical there. Ding, 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 you win. Yeah. The monk fruit version or something. Monk, like monk fruit is okay. It's supposed to be too. more naturally yeah. derived. Yep. Um, I remember back in the days, my dad was a type two diabetic and everything with those blue packets of equal, um, mm -hmm. after the, the saccharine pink of the, yeah. the other one went South. So, yeah. um, but I'm yeah. always curious because I don't like a lot of sugary things. I don't like a lot of sugary tasting things. Yeah. Um, but occasionally a little dip in my tea, or if I am going to make dessert, I can use some of that. So I'm just always curious, like as somebody who has had cancer twice, um, you know, I do worry about some of those things. You know, I don't necessarily believe that sugar caused everything, but I do know that it does, it is, a, it's, a, it's an immediate fuel. So where it gets used and how it gets used, I always wonder about that. And so, yeah, I use the fake sugar. And so, yeah, that makes me a little bit happier that it's not as bad as. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's not, it's, stevia is not fake sugar. It's, it's a different, different form of sugar. Fair. Okay. Right? Thank Cause, you. Because yeah. most sugar either coming from beets or from, from, True. from, uh, from cane. Yeah. So th those are your two sources. And, and of course, you know, cane and, and beets could also be organic too. So don't get lost in that word organic either. Because you know, there's a lot of things out there that'll kill you that's organic. Like yeah. li lightning, right? That's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, Courtney, growing up with um, all this knowledge around you, um, you know, was it, was it tough to incorporate that into your life when you're going into high school cafeteria trying to figure out, you know, choices to have or just hanging out, you know, with, I don't even know what kids do today, but I'm assuming, <laughs> assuming you go out in public and do something thing and there's food involved somewhere so um, I don't know maybe it's all on the phone I really don't know because I don't have any kids but it the question remains is it tougher or was it easier for you having all this knowledge that Chef Pete has given your family over the years to just be able to make those smart choices in wherever you are honestly I think it's become a lot easier just knowing like what to choose what not to choose calories what to avoid, what can make me healthier, what can I do over time, what can I do to make sure that I maintain that healthy lifestyle and just avoid everything that is going to make it worse. If I keep incorporating that, then that's just going to make it worse. But honestly, nowadays I see a lot of things happening around me, but it's just made it a lot easier in my life. Cool. 
Cool. So to get back, because we are running against the clock right now, to get back to what you're doing right now, how long it's lasting, how people can help you out. Yes, this uh, Visionaries of the Year is going to kick off April 12th, and it runs until June 24th. People can donate. Again, they can go to cookingforacure.com, go to the Donate Now button, and make a tax-deductible donation. But I also encourage you to go out, and uh, you can you can tag me on Instagram at Chef Gioni and uh, tag your favorite restaurants that you want to get involved, because I'm reaching out to restaurants now so they could post the QR code and post a flyer both on social media and in the dining room. So get out and support your favorite restaurants. And while you're, while you're there, you can support the Leukemia Lymphoma Society to help make a difference. Again, this is going directly towards cancer research. It's helping people get more access to the therapies that they need uh, to, to recover from, from leukemia. Um, and it's helping people with their, with their personal expenses to get through it, to make sure that they stay in their homes, they keep the power on, keep food on their tables which we know makes a huge difference in our lives. Um, so those are, those are the ways that we could directly impact restaurants, again, from New York, San Francisco, Las Vegas, anywhere in the country can help with this Cooking for, cooking for a Cure campaign. Uh, we're uniting together to get restaurants to give this QR code out to their guests so that more people can donate and make a difference. Cool. Well, anybody out there that wants to get involved, you can reach out to Chef Pete here um, here at Canyon Ranch. And, man, best of luck with it, and thanks for doing this. Thank yeah, you so thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming, Courtney. Thank you. The news is next. This is Food & Loathing. Time for the news, and congratulations to Taco Tarian, named Best Vegan Taqueria in the 23rd Annual Veggie Awards, which are handed out by Veg News. They're based on more than 1 million votes in 47 wow. categories. Man, that's something. Al spoke to founder Kristen Corral about the honor. Something like 1.3 million people voted for this award. It's kind of like the vegan James Beard Award, if you will. <laughs> um, so we're really excited. It's um, 1.3 million people voted, and we were nominated Best Vegan Tuckeria in the entire U.S. So that tells you, like, Las Vegas and now San Diego has been such a destination for tourists. So people that don't even necessarily have a Tacotarian in their city are coming, visiting these cities, eating Tacotarian, and then, you know, raving about it at home. Haleo by Chef Jose Andres, located in the Cosmopolitan, has announced a celebration of its gin and tonic festival. That's happening between April 17th and April 30th during dinner service. Each G&T is expertly paired with a dish. The whole menu is a la carte, so you can mix and match. There are four suggested combinations with cocktail names like Appetizer, Ultimate, Mediterranean, and Saints. Cocktails are $20 each, and the suggested bites and meal pairings range from uh, bites to full dishes, $14 all the way up to $60. And yes, get your ass a reservation for this one. <laughs> Resorts World is transforming the lounge of its high-end Chinese restaurant, Genting Palace, into a tiki bar. It will be called the Golden Monkey, and it's scheduled to open on Monday, April 17th. Cocktails will include the Jungle Bird, the Scorpion, and um, a lot of a lot yeah. of large Instagram-worthy punch. <laughs> I am so there. We need to. When do are the, we recording? Yes. When are we going to be recording from there? If you're listening, Golden Monkey. Yes. Yeah. We want to come in at five straight up, and then maybe a room because I don't think I plan on going <laughs> right. home after that or driving. 
<laughs> Big B's Texas Barbecue, which has locations in Henderson and on Fort Apache Road, is teaming up with the Town Square restaurant Crust and Rue, which specializes in all sorts of pies. And by that, I mean pizza pies, Yay. pop pies, dessert pies. Mm. Um, so from now through May 14th, the pizzeria will be selling two items incorporating Big B's meats and sauce. There's a brisket pizza topped with brisket, barbecue sauce, and red and green onions, as well as a bean and brisket pot pie. And I spoke with Natalia Baggio of Big B's about having their creations used in these new contexts. Since we opened, we've always been um, very supportive of our community and very supportive of our other business owners, especially other small restaurant um, uh, local restaurant owners mm-hmm. and uh, this collaboration kind of came uh, came about just like that you know we uh, we love their uh, what they're doing there with pizzas and pies and um, I'm really good friends with the owners there as well and we were eating the pizza and we were both thinking like you know what would be good on the pizza some brisket and like yeah let's try that and uh, basically I just drove to my store got a few pounds of brisket we threw it in the pizza it, it came out amazing they're like, okay, let's try pot pie. Like, what else goes in pot pie? Barbecue beans. We just put brisket and beans in the pot pie, and it just the, the flavors kind of complement each other, and it came out so so good. We just decided we need to let other people try it. So, um, collaboration is kind of like uh, both of our um, cuisines kind of mixing it together and coming up with something uh, maybe unexpected, but really really tasty. Cool. So. Um, you've obviously tasted it. Have you brought it to any of your friends, brought any of your friends over there? Has anybody else gotten a chance to see it? I'm curious what the reactions have been so far. Uh, you know, we ju- they just started doing it uh, yesterday on Monday. Uh, I already have an order for Thursday to bring it to try for all my staff to try. And uh, we've definitely had it a few times uh, when we did the test runs and uh, we invited a few friends to try them. Uh, the, the barbecue um, brisket pizza, definitely a meat lover's pizza. It's very, very meaty. Um, Everything you would expect from a barbecue, but also everything you'd expect for a great pizza. Before I get into the feel-good portion of the news I've been sharing lately, I am sad to announce that the Las Vegas Test Kitchen, Culinary Incubator, Chef's Hangout Hotspot, Event Mecca, and all-around personification of downtown Las Vegas on East Fremont is closing its doors. This yeah. is the worst news. Yeah. I know. I have the chills so even long. telling I got you this. this. Text from Jolene. Yes. I'm like, what the actual yeah. fuck, man? Some people know I've been doing some work with her, and and I've had to hold on to that one for a minute. And yeah, so, oh, I'm so heartbroken right now. Um, the last day of business will be June 3rd, and events will be posted between now and then to share some last bites, memories, and of course, some Jameson Irish whiskey among other things like their natural <laughs> wine collection and creative cocktails. But if you hang out at VTK long enough, somebody's bound to put a shot of Jameson in your hand. Uh, I did have the chance to catch up with founder Jolene Menina and ask her about the past two and a half years and what new projects may be ahead on her creative to-do list. Here we are sitting in Vegas Test Kitchen. Tell me a little bit about the decision that was made. We decided to close our doors June 3rd. Um, this year, so in just under 60 days. Um, We opened the test kitchen during the pandemic, December 2020, and really didn't know if this concept was going to work. It was its own test at the same time, Um, but it was an exciting challenge. We wanted to give a creative space to a lot of local chefs to give them the opportunity to kind of almost play restaurant for a second and give them the stepping stones into their own business, possibly a brick and mortar. Um, 
But like all things, this was a partnership and, uh, and that partnership is now done. So we are closing the doors June 3rd and all we can ask for is the community to come out and support these local chefs while they're still here so we can give them a solid send off. We'll be posting stuff on the website, letting us know when somebody's gonna be offering different things to keep the schedule updated. Absolutely, this is not going to hinder any business uh, until June 3rd. We will have uh, pop-ups, a few new chefs will be coming in, we'll have some community events, and I'm sure the last day will be a celebration. So we'll keep everything on the website, we'll put it on the weekly calendars, um, we'll possibly do a secret burger event, so stay tuned for all the fun stuff. So speaking of Secret Burger, you still have secretburger.com. Um, I mean, anybody that knows you knows that you are a culinary dynamo, you're super creative. You come up with all these, you know, really interesting ideas that nobody else seems to do. So you had back of the house brawl. Um, you know, you still have picnic in the alley coming up, which I know that you know we we talk about on this podcast quite a lot lately, Thank uh, you. because we're very excited about it. Um, so, I mean, what kind of kind of ideas might you have for the future? Without well, holding you to I mean, anything, you know, I think people that know me know that I do love to to coordinate things and love to throw events and throw parties. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of that in my future. Secret Burger will continue. Um, I'm sure I'll get my, my hands dirty and some Life is Beautiful stuff because I always do Omakase Cantina. I'm um, going to probably squeeze my way into a little Formula One action. Um, but, you know, we, we may find an opportunity to pop up the, the Test Kitchen, the Culinary Incubator. Um, in another spot. So, you know, I'm having the conversations. We we took this restaurant and, that was a pre-existing restaurant and turned it into a space that multiple chefs can use um, at once. You know, it, it may not have been the ideal setup um, to have multiple chefs here. So I think if we have the opportunity to, to do this again and really build it out, it could be something really special for uh, for the city. Well, I mean, talk about the ultimate place to go take a group of people for a meal. Um, I remember many times coming in, sitting down at the table, everybody orders on their own tab, it also gets delivered, I can order from four or five different concepts. I mean, you're the only one I know in town that did anything like that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, you know, I agree. When we, when we wanted to do this, I didn't want it to be just a commissary kitchen. That was the first thought because uh, so many chefs were slinging food from you know, Instagram and I knew that doing this from their house was not sustainable. Um, so the first thought was commissary, then it was like, well, why not sell to the public and turn it into a restaurant at the same time? So it's definitely a unique concept um, uh, and done because uh, the technology that is actually available to us, the technology allowed guests to order from multiple chefs in one transaction, and those chefs got paid immediately, which was amazing. Yeah. And literally, the only way we could do this without making it like a food hall. Right, where yeah. chefs need their own kiosk and their own space, and they need their own POS, and yeah. they need their own, you know, staff in the front. Um, so it allowed us that flexibility to to have multiple chefs uh, working at the same time. Great. So we still get to celebrate this through Saturday, June third. Yes, we're here seven days a week. Vegas we're open Test at 11 Kitchen, eleven to nine. Monday through Saturday, and then Sunday is 11 to 4. VegasTestKitchen.com. And at VegasTestKitchen on Instagram. Yep. In addition to Chef 
Pete Gioni's discussion today about his work with LLS, that again is the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Please allow me to share a reminder of two big culinary supportive events you can, you can participate in to help your community and spread great works with and through the hospitality industry here in Las Vegas. Of course, I'm going to remind you this Saturday, that is tomorrow as this episode drops on a Friday morning, April 15th at the Palms Hotel and Casino, Chefs for Kids will be hosting its 31st annual fundraising dinner honoring the works of Chef Chris Johns. It's a James Bond theme. Live auction should be live by the time you hear this. We're adding things every day. Sorry, silent auction. Silent auction's live. The live auction will be at the show. And uh, if you want to come check it out, there's going to be some custom cocktails for everybody coming along. There will also be cash bar. uh, Lots and lots of things to bid on. And, of course, as we reminded you, Al and I will be hanging out with you guys all night. I gotta get my fancy clothes ready. Yeah, yeah. My gala clothes. That's right. Um, Tickets start at two fifty per person for individuals. Tables for ten, starting at twenty five hundred and higher, including various sponsorships. If you are so inclined. So come on out, support a really great program called Chefs for Kids, and you can find more information at chefsforkids.org. And then, of course, Picnic in the Alley, also from Jolene. So we're still excited to have those kinds of things in town. Returns to downtown Las Vegas on Sunday, May 21st, an event curated by women for everyone, benefiting the Shade Tree Las Vegas and Women's Hospitality Initiative. General admission is up to $125 per person if you didn't get those early bird tickets. And VIP gets you an extra hour at the beginning for $150 a person. And as a reminder, that VIP gets you a little bit of a... You know, uh, bumping elbows with the chefs, maybe a couple of cocktails, a canapé or two. So definitely go to picnicinthealley.com. Get those tickets. VIP is super limited. So you can go to any of those websites or reach out to me on social media if you have any questions. And I think that about does it for this episode. Thanks to our host, Pete Gioni, and the entire team at The Venetian. And thanks to everyone who spoke to us this week. That includes Courtney Strunk. Um, who else did we chat with this week? Kristen Corral. Um, I made notes. I had all my notes, and now I don't have them anymore. There we go. <laughs> Na- Natalia Baggio and Aaron Lee. Yes, thank you all for um, spending some time with us. Please tell a friend about Food and Loathing, available at the usual podcast places. Check Al's musings and postings on the major social media sites. Just search Food and Loathing. And, as you, you, can, and you can reach us directly by email. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app. You'll use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, wherever you want it, you'll find it on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. And if you want to see me on TV, I do a weekly appearance on Wake Up with the CW every Friday around 8.30 a.m. And catch me all week long on the Neon Feast update on the Vibe 99.7 here in Las Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river, and those highway drive stations as well, I believe. And every Thursday morning around 8, 10 a.m., you can hear me on the club at AM 670 KMZQ. And if you want to know what I'm up to, you want to find out what I'm cooking, what event I'm going to next, and how I can get Al to dress up more, just go find me on the socials at Wishbone and Vine. With Samantha Gemini Stevens and Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Okay.